Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm so excited to have an opportunity to speak with you again. I think we just need to give another round of applause. That video is just so moving and powerful. My wife and I had a conversation this past week where we were just discussing the fact that how exciting it is that we get to be a part of something like this. And, and that's a realization that if you let that sink in, it's actually really emotional. Um, it's a really unique thing to be a part of in the fact that we're building something together. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So the first time that I had a chance to speak to you, I was just coming on to staff, and I am just as excited today as I was the very first time. And um, I actually have, it's such a privilege to have some of my family here today. My grandma and grandpa are here today from Calgary, along with my mom. And uh, they've just been so foundational in shaping who I am. And so it's super exciting for me to share this message with you, my church family, but also my real family. And uh, it's such an opportunity this morning. So thank you for giving me that. Yeah. Thank you. I am absolutely sure that this message today is exactly what we need to hear together. And my challenge to you is just to commit to being present. Commit to being here this morning and allowing yourself to feel the workings of the Spirit as He challenges you, as you feel convicted this morning. And even if it's just a, a prodding or a, or a nudging in a specific direction, I just challenge you to pay attention and just to listen. I'm ready for it. It's, I'm so excited. I spent the morning at the church building out in the field this morning with a cup of coffee, vanilla hazelnut if anyone's interested. And uh, Betty's changed my life. Every time I go over there, she gives me a cup of vanilla hazelnut coffee, and it's changed my life. So I was there this morning praising God, just looking and just like this message is so important, and I'm so excited for it. But I have a couple questions for you first. How many of you have ever had family photos done? Okay, how many about wedding photos? Yeah, personal portraits? <laughs> Excellent, yeah. Now, how many of you guys hate the posing part? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like the posing part either. I came across some ideas for specific poses for weddings I thought that I'd share with you. So we have our first wedding pose right here, um, which is just classic. It, it just, like, it, to me, it just screams longevity. Like, you can show that forever. Um, we have our second wedding pose, another keeper, um, it's speechless. I'm just speechless. Here's to the bride and groom. The third one, yeah, I guess you want to showcase the dress. Um, not really sure if that's the best way to do it. But, you know, these are just an example of some poses. And I, I wanted to, to share with you, I've actually learned a lot about this industry. Uh, about a year ago, um, some of you are aware, but some of you don't know, that I, I started a media business where I focused specifically on photography and video projects. And I tried to work with a bunch of different clients of all kinds. And um, I, I thought that I would put a post out specifically for wedding photography, and, uh, and video services, just to test the waters. Like, just to, just to test it out, I had absolutely no idea what I should be charging um, for these services or for potential clients, and I had zero experience. So there was that. And um, I put out the post, and within about three hours, I had booked seven weddings and was struggling trying to now tell my wife <laughs> that I had committed to being busy her entire first summer off. Um, this didn't go over super well, um, but no, she's been super encouraging and really supportive, but just a little shocked, I think, to say the least, right? Yeah, a little shocked. Now, having to finish the original commitments that I had made before I started here at the church, some of those weddings have started to come this summer already. And so two weekends ago, I had the opportunity to go down to Calgary 
and shoot one of these very first weddings that I had initially booked. As I was setting up, charging batteries, cleaning my lenses, the man, the pastor performing the ceremony, approached me, and we began talking and engaging in some polite conversation. And it came out that, I, you know, I'm a pastor at the Father's House Church in Mournville, and I'm a youth and young adult pastor. I love it there. And he said, oh, very good, very good. Have you served anywhere else? And I said, yeah, I was actually a youth pastor out in Manitoba in Winnipeg at a church there. And our conversation quickly developed, and, and we got into the meat of it. And he, he looked at me, and he said, we, referring to him and his wife that were there, we actually used to attend there in Winnipeg. And I, I said, no way, that's, that's incredible. He said, yeah, I remember them hiring a guy named Rob to replace you when you left. It's such a great church. He really said all of this to me. Now, the church had never interviewed a guy named Rob for my position. As a matter of fact, the guy who filled my position is a close friend of mine, and unless Emilio translates to Rob, he was terribly mistaken and had me confused for someone else. <laughs> but the fact was that he had never actually attended the church that I came from, and he had, he had never actually even been a part of that process. Not that he was lying to me. This was an honest thing, but it was just a mistake. People make mistakes, but it made me think. I formulated this question as I began to prepare my message today. Are you part of a community of believers that would notice if you stopped coming? Are you part of a community of believers that would notice if you stopped coming? Are you part of a body of believers that if you stopped coming, certain relationships would collapse? Your answer is important. So keep that to yourself. I'm not going to call on anyone right now, but I just ask you to pray with me as we begin. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for this church family, that we have a place to come and gather. Father, we are so excited for what's to come, and we thank you that there is a building being built and being worked on hard and diligently, God, so that we can further continue to go together and build into community with one another, but also expand and reach the community around us. So, Father, we just ask for a blessing this morning and just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. In your name I pray, amen. So whether you're a believer or not, you could agree that as a Christian, we are taught that there is a remarkable tension that we are supposed to maintain in the world around us. The Bible even calls us to manage the tension between the church and the world. How often we are tempted to try to resolve it rather than manage it. Last month, I wrapped up a series with our youth that also tried to address this. We called it Tensions. So for some of you leaders and students that are here this morning, you might remember some of these things and phrases that I used this morning today. By coming to church, participating in community, you are being built together. You are being built together into interdependence with one another. You were never meant to just simply go to church. <laughs> you are to be planted in the house of God. You are God's plan to change the world. You. Timothy Keller said it this way. I've paraphrased it, but it maintains that idea. You can't expect God to be working in your life if you're not built into a body of believers. It takes a group to know an individual. Only the group brings out the whole person. You cannot know all of God unless you are in deep community. 
Essentially, he's saying the, the part you see, the understanding that you have of God, is what others need. It's what others need. Likewise, you need what others have. We read in Psalm 92.12, I absolutely love this verse, that something incredible happens when we are planted in the church, not just merely going to church. It says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God. We had fun discussing this at youth because flourish isn't exactly a word that you use often in day-to-day language. Man, you are flourishing today, right? Like, <laughs> you look awesome. Like, flourishing just isn't, doesn't fit in context of most normal conversations, right? It's, it's kind of a strange word to think about using. But it's actually such a great image of what happens when you're planted properly. It alludes to a growing, prospering, blessing, spiritual growing, essentially a real thriving. That's what flourishing alludes to, is a thriving. Scripture doesn't say, doesn't say, those who go to church will flourish. I've definitely believed that to be true, though, right? I've definitely believed that to be true. No, it actually says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, bear fruit, grow stronger. We actually get even further clarification of our role and value in 1 Peter. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built together by participating in community within the church with one another. My integrity, my strength is 100% based on you, and likewise, you on me. See, we, just, just as, the, as the stones are to be placed within one another, as if the structural integrity of this church depends on it, we are being built into a relationship that constantly takes the focus off of the individual, you and me, and instead focuses more on the community as a whole. The church community can be intense, right? It can be intense, even at sometimes intimidating. So my thought process went, for someone who maybe doesn't believe, how are you going to relate to me? How are you going to relate to the non-believer? How are you going to relate to others outside of this community? Well, trying to put myself in a position to answer that question, further detail became required, right? The question really is, is what is the church? We read that the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The language is so powerful and so important there. This is the message version, and I absolutely love it. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, but the tool by which he fills everything with his presence. Wow. The scripture is very clear. In Jesus' plan, he wants us to learn how he lives, acts, even responds to his church. It's meant for each of us personally as well as other believers. I've I've heard it over and over again. The thought that, couldn't I just stay home and listen to a podcast? This is so common. Couldn't I just sign up online and watch my favorite church via telecast? Do I really have to go 
After all, am I not supposed to reach people outside of the church anyways? Can I not just do what I'm supposed to do outside of the church? First of all, you can absolutely have a relationship with Jesus without going to church. But my challenge and direction that I feel convicted to share with you today places incredible importance on the church and the role that it has in your own life and the lives of those around you. We've missed this, guys. There's a big difference between going to church and being planted, engaging, growing, thriving in the church. We've missed this. And now more than ever, we need to recapture what church really is. The church is God's plan to change you and change the world. Wow! (laughs) The church is God's plan to change your life intimately, on a personal level, but it doesn't stop there. You, it's also God's plan to change the world. There isn't a plan A and a plan B. God's plan. Your relationship with God is not going to be very strong if you don't want to be a part of the thing that he died to establish. He died to establish. This is hard to hear. For those of you who've been hurt by the church, I get it and I understand, but listen to this. Where you choose to plant yourself, what you give your time to, where you volunteer, develop relationships with real influence will ultimately determine how deep the roots can go. There is a battle in this world going on that's demanding that we choose holiness or relevance. Now, holiness is to be separated from sin, separated to God living in total devotion to him. And and relevance is the idea that you get it. You know what the latest trends are. You're up with the times. You got a good handle on popular culture. There's a deep tension that must be maintained in the world around us. To manage and balance holiness and relevance isn't easy. But studies actually show and have pointed out that religions tend to relate to the culture around them in two distinct ways. For today, let's describe these two most common groups with these terms. We have our fundamental religious groups. Now, fundamental religious groups are exclusive. They're high bars to get in, and they kind of believe that society is them. Society is them. Second, we have our mainstream religious groups. There's no doctrinal requirements to attend. Just come. You don't have to believe. We're totally inclusive. We love everybody. Society is us. Again, it's inclusive. So most religious groups we know today fit in one or the other, the fundamentalists or the mainstream. On one hand, if you want to be accepted, adopt their values. The other idea is that if you focus on how bad the world is, then it's easier to stand for truth. What does the Bible say? Are we supposed to be like the fundamentalists or more mainstream? Ready for the answer? Neither. The Bible clarifies this for us in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Listen to this. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Jesus fulfilled his mission 
by managing this tension. He was holy. He was so exceptionally holy, totally separated from sin, yet he was also totally relevant. He was totally relevant. He spoke to prostitutes and sinners and people, specifically those dealing with sin, were actually drawn to him. I used this language with the youth, and I said that they, Jesus actually used his relevance as a tool for someone else's revelation. <laughs> relevance can actually be a tool. It can actually be something that you use. Wow. Peter, one of the apostles, writes, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. This is balance. This is incredible balance. Peter is talking to Greeks in Greek cities, Romans in Roman cities. He's saying that when you become a Christian, you become a foreigner. When you become a Christian, you become a foreigner. Christians don't just keep their beliefs quiet. They were a chosen race. They were influencers, yes, but they seemed strange because they didn't fit into normal mainstream ideologies. And they managed the tension. So where do you fit today? Is it your job, your home life, your marriage, your friendships, your church? What source are you plugging into in hopes that it will provide for you the growth and value that you need? Because we all know areas in our lives that we're struggling to manage the tension, am I right? There's areas in our lives that we're struggling. Honestly, for many years, I struggled with really understanding or even fully appreciating the church. I grew up in it, and I loved the idea of it, but I wasn't planted. I was going through the motions. And being totally transparent to you this morning, I was just consuming. I was just consuming. I was looking for the church to feed me my every need, every desire. I wasn't living out the faith that comes from the overflow of really loving God and trusting him. I know that I've shared a number of scriptures today, but the goal is to show you that this thread is carried throughout the Bible. Church, there is an incredible increase available to us if we start to understand what this means. And once again, the Bible comes through. In Jeremiah 17.8 says, They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It is not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. When you are planted, you produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruits of the Spirit. A spiritual fruit that only comes from God. Church, when you're connected to the vine, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control are produced in overabundance in our lives. Out of a proper planting comes a powerful overflow. Let me try to express to you in the most sincere way. You are needed here. You are needed here. You are valued here. Each and every one of you. 
You are not just saved from your sins when you choose to follow God. You are saved for an incredible purpose. Sometimes to be realized in the lives of those around you. Look around the room this morning. Those are the people that you're meant to impact, that you're meant to be a part of intimately, to share life with, to be a part of community with. See, you flourish, but only if you're planted. I shared a message with the youth last Friday, and this whole series of events is only orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I talked about the realization that we are but a seed. The family of God is the soil we grow in. The seed contains great potential in it. There is potential to become something incredible. Something that inside of it exists such potential. We read in Mark this common parable that you've probably heard before. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. The soil is very important when it comes to the progress of the seed. Where the seed is planted means a whole lot when we're talking about its potential. My wife got a, a potted plant for our front step, and every time I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is a really nice potted plant as far as potted plants go. It's a beautiful plant. But we were walking outside of our house just a couple days ago, and Elise said, she kind of said to me, and I'm paraphrasing, but she said to me, She's like, oh, I can't wait for my flower to bloom. Such potential. And then it rained, and it poured, and it hailed, and the plant lived. <laughs> but we walked outside the next day, and it had, it had blossomed. Wow. The picture didn't do it justice on the little tag. There was such potential. That seed was planted in the right soil. The condition of the soil was perfect. And it also had a pot. It, ha it had the perfect container. It had the perfect structure that it was held in so that it could grow to its full potential. See, we grow when we submit and commit. To submit is a choice that we make. And we've talked about this in other weeks. Submission actually means to fold yourself, to come underneath direction over your life. If the seed is ever to become what it was destined to become, it needs to be planted, to come underneath the surface of the soil. It's the same with us. We have to fold ourselves, submit ourselves, come underneath the direction, the authority, and leadership of those who've been placed around us to help us grow. And most importantly, we have to submit to God. So where are you? Are you trusting and believing in faith that God is and will increase in your life as a result of being here, in this structure, in this place? 
Or are you facing the challenge of looking for this place to provide to you each and every one of your needs? Because my challenge to you is this. Church is for you, but it's not ultimately about you. We've got this idea that if we don't like the song, if we don't like the kids' programming, or even if we don't like the youth pastor, that the church must just not be for us. What a lie. See, when we take the focus off of God and we stop learning about him collectively, we cease growing in a, in a deeper and intimate relationship and understanding of who he is. How can we expect our faith to grow? Because the soil, the self-serving kind, will only crumble apart when your situations require real commitment, real faith. I love re-watching messages from our team. I love it. We have such a good team. Pastor Greg, in speaking about leadership, said something powerful. Stop trying to do it on your own. You need the Spirit of God. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is experienced in community. It's experienced in community. It is so much more than just an individual experience. And guys, here's the truth. Our God is a faithful supplier. He promises that there is no limit to his supply. There is no limit. And as we stay in his word, in community, in prayer, he will provide regardless of what happens in society and in the world around us. Regardless. That's the kind of faith that we're given. That's the kind of growth that we can experience. As long as you are close to him, you will have everything that you need to help your faith to continue to grow. But I would take it even a step further. As long as you are close to him and in community <laughs> with other believers, you will have everything you need to help your faith grow. If you stay in God, you will bear fruit in every season, in every situation, in every obligation. You will be fruitful when you are properly planted. We read it in Jeremiah 17 that they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It's prospering. It's flourishing in every season. In every season. So that means that when you're going through something hard and when you're going through a challenge that requires faith that you don't even know if you have, I'm right beside you. Because maybe I've experienced something that can help me lead you through it. Pointing you back to our Father. Or likewise, maybe if I'm going through something that requires real faith, you're there for me. There is real power in community. When we lean into one another, we take our eyes off of ourselves and our situation and look to community around us to support us and lift us up. And I really believe that that's what's needed in our community outside of the church. People need to know that we are for them. People need to see that, that we have such a faith that exists, but that someone else needs that. And, and we may have gone through something that they need, they need to hear how to go through that and how to be just in that experience and, and, and see God in it. Some of you have settled for the soil you're in. This is a challenge. And I'm not just saying this to you. This is me. You've allowed yourself to believe that where you are is where you are going to be forever. 
The situations and circumstances around you can't possibly change. Who is your supplier? Wow. The church is God's plan to change you and change the world. So, this morning, everybody, look around. Right now, look around the room. You don't have to do anything weird. Just take a look. <laughs> Sometimes it's weird to look. Okay, I acknowledge, we'll acknowledge that. Every person around you has what you need. And you have what they need. So go out into the world and make a difference for him. But it starts with a choice. You have to decide to, yeah, submit yourself to God's will for your life. But then you have to commit. It doesn't end at submission. You have to commit, plant roots, make, make roots, plant yourself, grow in community. I had a, a late night conversation with a, a close friend of mine that I so badly wanted to be here today. And I had a conversation with him last night. And I was sharing with him my message because he couldn't come. And I was kind of sharing with him in a real paraphrased version. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He's like, I love it when the church stands for something. I love it when the church stands for something. He said, sometimes it just feels like it's just all about status. He's like, I, I just wish it would be just about relationship. <laughs> He got it. He understood it from an outside perspective, and he was encouraging me. Wow, wow, man, I so wish I could be there tomorrow. Sounds like you have an awesome church. Yeah, it's an awesome church. But how incredible is that? That someone who doesn't even share in the same faith recognizes that the church has to stand for something. That the church as a community has to mean more than just what it's about for you personally. That the church as a whole, as a group of people, has the power to influence their lives, and he's waiting for it. He's waiting for it. I asked a question at the beginning of my message today. Are you part of a community of believers that would notice if you stopped coming? I understand that not everyone is as involved as others, but I challenge you to reflect on this. I'm just going to invite the band to come on up. In John 13... Jesus talks about how it's our love for one another that will actually attract the world to God. Right before Jesus went to the cross while he was praying for his disciples, he asks for them to have supernatural unity. This won't be on the screen, but just allow me to share this with you. Jesus says this in John 17, 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Jesus prays for believers to have the same unity that the Father, Son, and Spirit have. 
I can't even wrap my head around that kind of unity. Unity was Jesus' strategy for outreach. The early church was, was so unified and loved each other so much. And that brought people in because people wanted what they had. Community. Unity with one another. A number of weeks ago, about a month ago, I came across a study about the coral reef. There's been massive die-off in the coral reef, for example, along the Great Barrier Reef. And scientists have discovered that in order to help the coral reef grow again would normally take years, even lifetimes. This study shows how some in the community are working to speed up the growth. And one of the ways that they discovered is working is they slice pieces of coral into miniature pieces and they transplant it, parts of it, back into the dying coral. This method has increased the growth by an incredible amount, years instead of lifetimes. And the extent at which the growth is happening is incredible. This is, what you, this is what's really unique. This is what caught my attention. As the coral reef, coral reef grows, it branches out, stretches out along the coral, and when it touches a part of that, that piece that was sliced, when it touches a similar part, it recognizes it as family. It recognizes it as the original coral that was once used for the transplant, and it grasps onto one another, and it grows stronger and stronger, 30, 60, even 100 times stronger. That's what happens when we plant ourselves. We flourish at a rate that doesn't make sense in the world around us. We are not meant to belong. We are meant to stand out with one another. How incredible is that? What an invitation that is, that we have an opportunity as Christians to come to know him. Yes, that that's the first step, that we get an opportunity to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. But then we also have a decision to commit. Commit to being planted, to making roots. Each and every one of you needs to know that. That needs to be the message you take to every single person outside of this place, is that it's a twofold approach. Yes, do you want to know Jesus? Okay, great, then dive in. <laughs> Commit to being here. I've realized in my life that you have endless capacity when you are connected to the vine. You don't even know the potential that exists in each and every one of you. You are but a seed, but you were never meant to stay on the shelf. Let's not stop there. Let's transplant ourselves into the community of believers so that our growth is accelerated. But then look for opportunities to reach out, grasp a hold of the family of believers around you and see your faith grow in incredible ways. As I was spending the morning out at the, the, new, the new church building, just this morning today, the sun was out and it was bright and it was warm. It was beating through my window and I just felt such a warmth, such a, such a holding and such, that kind of that potted plant feeling. I was just wrapped in that. I was just, oh, I just felt good. I just felt safe, felt secure. And I, I was just looking through some of my notes and I found this quote from Rosa Parks and I think she says it perfectly. 
Stand for something or you will fall for anything. Today's mighty oak is yesterday's nut that held its ground. Wow. So good, right? What do we want to stand for as a church community, as a church family? Because what we will be tomorrow is who we are today. And the roots that you put in the ground today, that you establish in this church family today, will genuinely impact who it is that you become tomorrow and the day after. And you will grow into something so beautiful that you can't even imagine that it so surpasses the expectations that you had for your potential. But that only occurs when we are planted in community with one another. Let me close in a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are our faithful supplier. Father, I pray that that going forward, our hearts and our minds would be positioned in a place to come to church for community, but recognizing that it is not about us. God, that it's about you. This is a place for us. This is a, this is a place for us to continue to grow, continue to learn all about who you are, Father, and your goodness. And God, I just pray that as a community of believers that we would literally not be able to contain ourselves from the growth that happens. That it would be 30, 60, even 100 times more than we could ever have imagined. That our faith would multiply. That we would see our lives changed as a result, Father. So I pray for each and every person today that they go their day with their faith having grown. That they would see that there's people around them that desire to walk life with them and build into community with one another so that we can ultimately continue to serve you. Father, thank you for all that you've done. So excited to see what you're going to do. Amen. Bless you guys. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday as you go. Enjoy your Canada Day celebrations, and we'll see you guys next week.